0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Between the Posts podcast. Today we will review Liverpool against Tottenham Hotspur. My name is Eric Elias. With me here to discuss this match, also of Between the Posts, Joel Parker. Joel, welcome. Hello, Eric. Hello, listener. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, first time you're on the podcast, though you have been writing for us for nearly two years now, and uh, we thought it would be time for you to uh, make your debut.
1: <laughs> Can't wait. I'm buzzing. Absolutely. And interesting game to talk about as well. Very interesting.
0: You picked a good game because this was obviously a top game in the Premier League and we got to see a really nice game as well. And yeah, as we all know, we always start with the lineups. So you can just Mm -hmm. start with Liverpool. Go for it.
1: Awesome. So uh, Liverpool made just the one change from the draw against Fulham. This came in the centre-back position. Reese Williams came in to replace Joel Matip, who was, funny enough, injured. Huge problems with Liverpool and absentees of recent times when we consider Virgil van Dijk, Gomez, Milner, Jota. A lot of players that are currently missing. So, But the structure at Liverpool is very much the same. The trademark 4-3-3. Alisson was in between the sticks. Alexander-Arnold and Robertson as fullbacks. Williams and Fabinho in the centre-back roles. Then you had the midfield three of Jordan Henderson. Curtis Jones and Wijnaldum and that was concluded with a front three of Salah, Firmino and Mane.
0: Yeah I really enjoyed that midfield especially uh, Wijnaldum who's always very decent of course but also mm. Curtis Jones like it was maybe the first time we got to see him for a full 90 in a really top match and he did very well I thought.
1: Yes definitely, definitely. the rotation between the three was um, was very very important Balty, we'll we'll get to that.
0: Yeah, I'll just talk a little bit about Tottenham, who have a lot less injuries to deal with uh, than Liverpool. <laughs> their key injury is uh, Eric Lamella, who I don't think would be a starter anyway. Officially, you should call their lineup a 4 2 3 1, but what we saw most of the time was that it was a 4 4 2 in practice. Joris in goal, obviously. Serge Aurier at right back. Alder Rywald and Dyer centrally. And Ben Davies on the left, not Sergio Reguilon. Could be something that Mourinho saw tactically. Could be just rotation and rest. Who knows? Holding midfield Pierre-Emile Heuberg, who's had a really good season. And next to him, Giovanni Locelso, which was, yeah, quite surprising to me because Lo Celso has played in that role. But he's not, mm-hmm. of course, purely a holding midfielder. Of course, he's someone who can make a pass forward. And Mourinho knows that he does also need people to launch the attackers uh, on the counter-attack because he had some. Up front uh, was uh, Sissoko on the right, who played more of a right-back role at times, but we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> Heunmin Song at number 10, but not really, he was more of a striker. And Dutch young winger Steven Berglijn on the left, who's done a really good job in these top, top games defensively, most notably, and Harry Kane up top, of course. Yeah, the first half, Well, we get to see the same old Mourinho approach. A lot of people are talking about it. I wouldn't say it was extremely defensive, but it was defensive. They sit back in a 4-4-2 with Son and Kane up top, absorb the pressure, counterattack, very little pressure. And for me, what was interesting was that Sissoko was played on the right and Son centrally. So that was probably done for two reasons. One, to have Sissoko on the right, and we know Liverpool's left is strong attacking, and to have Son in the space centrally. So I thought that was an interesting choice uh, by Mourinho. And in the first 25 minutes, yeah, we just saw the game we quite expected to see with Liverpool trying to break Spurs down. Joel, can you tell a little bit about how they tried to do that? How did they try to play it through that defensive block?
1: Uh, so, with Liverpool, obviously, this is the 2 5 3, 2 3 5 setup that we've become accustomed to over the past couple of years with Liverpool. Uh, overall, their passing was very fluid. I thought you saw a lot of interchanges and rotation within the middle third, mostly amongst the midfield three. I think one thing that's very distinctive about Liverpool's build-up is the fact they don't really have a designated player playing in, in that holding midfield role. You always have Henderson or Jones or Wijnaldum that take up them central positions. But Liverpool's aim really was to isolate Aurier down that left channel. And I think this is why Mourinho switched Sissoko and the Celso to give Aurier a little bit more coverage and making sure he wasn't being pulled out of position. But Liverpool had a number of methods to counter this. You often saw Roberto Firmino roam out of that sort of nine space and into the left channel, which would create a four versus three down that side. Sadio Mane was constantly moving around Aurier to try and pull him out of position a number of occasions. Whilst Curtis Jones could also operate behind Sissoko. So, overall, Liverpool were constantly flowing, constantly moving the ball down that side very, very well. And although Spurs nullified Liverpool still, there were ways to play through it. And I mm-hmm. thought Liverpool done that very well within the first 25 minutes of the game.
0: Yeah, I was especially impressed with Jones. I saw him play against Ajax two times, was good, in the Champions League as well. But here, it was like you know, the movements and the tactical rotations. You don't expect a young player like that to just come in and fill in the role that other more senior players have done as well. And especially, as you said earlier, in addition to Firmino coming into the midfield and making that four versus three, I think he did very well. Mm -hmm. I think it says everything
1: about Liverpool. The fact that players like Jones and players like Williams can really come into that system and not feel out of place, which I think is quite interesting about the way that Structurally, the way that they bring in youth, the way that they train their teams in development phases, it's really impressive that Liverpool can make a rotation like bringing in Curtis Jones, who I believe is only about nineteen. Same Mm. with Williams, and not really feel too out of place.
0: Yeah, and if we look at the overall yeah game state, how the game went, Liverpool had a few chances in those first twenty-five minutes. One from Firmino in the thirteenth minute from a set piece. And one from Salah, which was more of a a tactical pattern that we saw. Because how did that first chance came about from Salah, Joel, at the right side of Tottenham?
1: I thought one thing that was quite interesting was all three of the midfielders were sort of operating down that channel, funding down that channel. You had Mane moving out of Aurier. And he sort of occupied both Aurier and Sissoko in this sequence. So when you see Hedgeson make the pass, there is a lot of space behind them for Robertson to run into. And this was a really good example of why Liverpool had the better, so to speak, down that left channel, because Robertson was able to receive the ball, run through and Mm -hmm. provide a good cutback for Salah. Unfortunately, he only found Lloris's gloves, but I thought it was a very, very interesting chance and epitomised how... Liverpool got through in the first stages.
0: Yeah, that was quite in line with the overall tactical pattern. And if we look at Spurs in those first 25 to 30 minutes, like there were like chances to make the final pass, but, but they never got out properly. Like They didn't even register a shot in the first 30 minutes. And the first goal we see is for Liverpool after 25 minutes. Once again, stemming from that left side, in the left half space, Jones picks up the ball very much with what we saw earlier, plays a one-two with Firmino, who's acting like a central midfielder, not as a striker at all, but linking it all together. And mm-hmm. there I thought, Joel, you could see that Lo Celso does not have the required defensive profile or physical profile because Curtis Jones plays a one-two with Firmino and he just blows by him. And that eventually leads to a Salah shot from like 16, 17 yards out. Bit lucky, deflected, went in over Jodis's head, but still... We can focus on how it was lucky, but we also can focus about how Liverpool were attacking, which they always do. And I thought that was clearly something that Lo did not do well in that moment, defending that goal.
1: One thing that was quite interesting about that move was also Mane's movement within that transition. Because if you watch it back, you see him make this sort of double movement on Aurier, which really does open up the space. And Lo Celso presses... But he's sort of pressing into no man's land, really. And he's bypassed quite easily with the 1-2 the that you mentioned. And yeah, the build-up was certainly a lot better than the, the finish itself. But I don't think anyone in the Liverpool camp would be complaining too much about that.
0: No. And if you then look at the cold facts, you see, OK, Liverpool have five shots, have a goal. Tottenham have a very hard time to get out of their own half. And after the goal from Liverpool, you see they get another shot from Curtis Jones. They get around the area... And I was like, okay, where's Tottenham? And then boom, out of the blue, 30 second minute. <laughs> I'm not sure how it was in your place, but the broadcasters, when I watched it live, couldn't catch that initial counterattack. And out of a sudden you see a one versus one of Son against Alisson Becker. And Son <laughs> and we have a one-one. It was a VAR review, but it counted. So that was so surprising to me. And that's something that you can see at Spurs this season, like. They can be so lethal, man. Like, if you saw with this moment, that's the reason why Lo was playing in the first place, I think. Because he gets the ball from Juris, makes a dribble, turns, launches Son into space, and we have an equalizer.
1: This is no disrespect to Huisberg or Sissoko, but they don't really have the profile, so to speak, to carry the ball and drive it upfield, much like Lo done in this transition. Yeah, I I think it was um, quite an interesting move really because Harry Kane was on the opposite side stretching that defensive line and you had this fantastic run from Bergwijn in the build-up where he sort of takes out two players down that channel, running diagonally towards the centre and this really opened up space for Son on that side. But it's classic Mourinho really, first shot, first goal. I think that's a pretty common trend so to speak, in uh, in recent times and watching Tottenham.
0: Yeah, two things. One, Bergwijn really does a lot of stuff off the ball, which you don't see initially. But maybe if you're really careful, you watch it a second time, you think, oh, he does this and he makes this little run and he presses the ball there. He really does a job on that, on that flanks in the top games. And secondly, is this Reese Williams' mistake that he plays that high line? Or obviously, he's a young centre-back. It's really hard to play centre-back for this Liverpool team. But... Was it his mistake, this call? Like he was caught up a bit too high, or how did you view that?
1: It's a bit tricky, really, as you say, because um, when you watch the build up, that Bergwine run, it really does catch his attention and he's caught slightly flat footed. I also think Alexander Arnold is pulled out of position way too easily. But like originally, he's on the movement of Sun, and then Sun is sort of just left in. Loads and loads of space randomly because Alexander Arnold has he's still kind of tracking Bergvine, which was quite weird. But overall, I think it was just a a really efficient counter attack from Tottenham. If you also look at the build up, you also see a number of players that are circulating around the Celso as well. So I think they were quite clear of the counter attacking threat that Tottenham do possess.
0: Yeah, and after that goal, we get a phase between the 32nd minute when the goal was scored and halftime, where I thought, yeah, it was not that different. Liverpool have the ball. I (laughs) thought they were quite dominant in the entire phase, but yeah, they just conceded one goal, which totally changes the face of the game. But if you take that one attack away, I thought they played a brilliant half and they were very dominant against maybe the second best team in the Premier League. So yeah, it's always the goal always changes how we view the game, and obviously it's a Big chance to give away for some, but overall there was a very dominant display for Liverpool in the first 35 minutes.
1: As you said, I thought Liverpool had real control of the game. I'm not just saying that because they had more possession, I'm saying that because they flowed the ball a lot better, their passing moves were very, very good and very effective at keeping possession because with that rotation in the middle with the three. Harry Kane and Son weren't really picking up receivers very well. And Liverpool were sort of free to move the ball as they like in that middle of the field.
0: Yeah, totally right. First half ends. Possession, Liverpool 78%. Tottenham 22 Shots, eight against one. Shots on target, seven against one. And goals, one against one. So that's (laughs) how you got to uh, score the goals. After the half time, Spurs make one slight change tactically. Lo Celso and Sissoko switch places. So Sissoko is going to play next to Heubiark in the second half and Lo Celso on the right. Why do you think he did that, Joel? Why did Mourinho what was his motive for that, you think?
1: So this was sort of a more of a return to the, the wide centre midfield marking that we've come to use to with Mourinho in recent times. Overall, this gave Spurs a lot better coverage in the half spaces. Although Mane was initially dealing with an overload of Sissoko and Aurier down that channel, there wasn't really much space for him to roam into. And this also gave the Celso the chance to go more man-orientated towards Robertson and left a two versus one with Sissoko and Aurier on Mane. So overall, I think Spurs defended a lot, lot better in that second half and actually mustered up the better of the chances.
0: Yeah, I think what you say about defending is totally right, but also in terms of counter-attacking. If we look at those first 20 minutes after halftime, they started a lot better. Like they have a chance for Bergwijn after one minute. Uh, Kane had uh, two shots. I wouldn't call those chances, but two good shots. And in the 61st minute, big, big chance for Bergwijn as well. And I don't think their approach changed that much, but the execution was just better. And if we zoom in on those chances, Joel, what do you think about the role of Rhys Williams, uh, which we discussed earlier, young Liverpool centre-back at the right centre of the spot? What do you think about his roles in those chances for Bergwijn particularly?
1: I think that what did change in Tottenham's game plan when going forward was going more direct Mm -hmm. towards Williams. So you saw a lot of movement from Kane, a lot of movement from Bergwijn down that left. And you had usually, whether it would be Hugo Lloris kicking up forward or Eric Dier making those switches, Tottenham were really targeting him. And I think he did struggle initially with that first Bergwijn chance. He sort of goes in for the duel and, and really does miss it. And this creates a lot of space for Bergwijn in behind, who you could argue should have done a lot better. But when he, in the second chance was going a bit further back. Spurs still flowed quite well through him, uh, with Kane winning a flick on. Son passing it in for Bergwijn again for pretty much identical chance, one that hit the foot of the post. So yeah, I think really Tottenham really did target him quite a lot in that second half.
0: Yeah, I'm instinctively, I'm inclined to say Berghain should do better with those two chances, but then if you look at the data and at our expected goals model then finishing still is a lot harder than we think as you know, football fans. So as I said earlier, you think oh, he's got to score one of those, but then if you look at the data, it's clear that maybe those chances were a bit harder than they looked.
1: Yeah, I think it, at that first one especially, yeah. Alexander-Arnold does recover quite well and does put him under a lot of pressure. If, if you watch it back, he does skew that shot with Alexander-Arnold really close to him. So I think when we look at finishing chances in football. We don't really take into account whether the, the player has the balance or is completely off balance when taking those chances.
0: Totally right with that. So we still have a tie game, even though Spurs had the better chances when the second half started. And then, yeah, for the last 25 minutes of the game, it was end-to-end. It was, I don't think, I don't think one team was better than the other. I really enjoyed it. It was high intensity. If you consider that this was a midweek game, In a very congested season, I think the amount of energy both teams put in was brilliant. And I really enjoyed it. But I'm not sure there was one team better in that last 25 minutes. Do you?
1: I think that um, Mourinho's comments post-match saying that this game should have been a draw. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree. Just because Liverpool had much more possession and the ball control doesn't necessarily mean that they were the better team so to speak I thought Tottenham defended compactly but overall I thought Tottenham were really crying out for Ndombele in them last 20 minutes someone to help maintain the ball up front because when watching them last 20 minutes back there's a lot of clearances from Tottenham a lot of balls going forward and nothing really being built from it I feel like they really needed someone up there next to Kane to really help with their ball retention forward. And Liverpool just kept on coming back, kept on knocking on the door. There was one Sadio Mane chance where he turns Aurier quite easily and hits the crossbar. But Tottenham still had numbers back. And although Liverpool were continuing their play forwards, continuing to move forwards, they still weren't really knocking on the door that much in that last 20 minutes, I think. Oh,
0: agreed. I think their best phase of the game was like in the first half. And I really enjoyed that Mane against Urwie 1v1s, even though, as you mentioned earlier, Mane was drifting across the field a lot. They still ended up playing that 1v1 a lot of times. And I thought that was really fun to see because they're both obviously physically fantastic players, fit. And that was really good stuff to see if you look at all the stuff that Mane pulls off uh, technically, in a match, it's so brilliant. And then Aurier with his physicality and his aggressiveness. That was like I a think, highlight for me.
1: Sorry, I think Aurier definitely grew into the game uh, a lot more with that psycho support down the channel. Uh, there was a couple of occasions where, as you say, Marnie was receiving the ball with his back. And Aurier was sort of like really hustling him out of uh, anywhere near the penalty area. So he, he definitely grew into the game as the, the game progressed.
0: Yeah, true. And yeah, we expect maybe that it ends in a draw, but we do get a winner. In the 90th minute, we get a set piece. And this will really have you fuming if you are a Tottenham fan, because it gets uh, swung in. And maybe you can tell me why, Joel, but out of the blue, Firmino was totally free, unmarked, and he has it into uh, the upper 90. And we get a winner, Liverpool. But what's your perspective? How could he get so free there? What, what, what happened?
1: I'm going to refer back to a piece i done in February when talking about the first phases of, of Mourinho coming in as Tottenham manager. And I mentioned set pieces. Uh, that still hasn't really improved under, under Tottenham when you consider Newcastle, West Ham, Crystal Palace all picked up points against Spurs from set pieces in the final 10 minutes. So it's definitely, I mean, I'm not a set piece guy, but Tottenham definitely need to, improve in that side of the game especially when someone like no disrespect to Firmino but out of the players in the area you're not really expecting him to get a pretty much direct header at the center of the goal from you know about six seven yards out.
0: No that was awkward and I will put a link in the show notes below for the piece you did about the first months of Mourinho at Tottenham which was very informative at the time. I'll read it back. Let's see how it stands out now. That would be fun. Anyway, Liverpool win it. Joel, before we recorded, you told me that you thought the Premier League maybe misses a little bit these kind of games in the top, top games. What do you mean with that? Like, for me, this was fun. I think a lot of people enjoyed it. Do you think the top games in the Premier League nowadays are a bit less good than this one was? What did you mean by that?
1: I think they dropped off in intensity. I mean, we can just refer this with with the games Tottenham have played recently against Manchester City, for example. I thought positioning-wise and building-up-wise, they were extremely stale. The passing was very, very slow. And against Chelsea, they sort of just played into the, the Tottenham traps out wide without really producing much solution. So there's no real surprise that Chelsea and Man City aren't really close to these two teams at the moment. And it's no surprise, really, that Liverpool are three points ahead of everybody.
0: Yeah, true. So I think if we look back on this match, Liverpool win it. But for me, a draw would have been more deserved overall. Not only when I look at expected goals or whatever, but just in terms of who dominated the match in what phases. And I think Liverpool get a bit too much with three points here.
1: The momentum throughout the game swang quite a lot. I think there were definitely phases where Liverpool with a better team and Tottenham's attacks certainly threatened. But referring to the top four right now, it's them too. And you've got Southampton in third, Leicester in fourth, and my team, Everton, in fifth. It says a lot about the landscape of the Premier League at the moment, where the other big clubs mm-hmm. aren't really performing that well or haven't really settled into a structure or underperforming significantly and you have other teams that are performing performing quite well in terms of you know Southampton and Leicester Everton in fifth as I mentioned the teams you're not really expecting to be in them top places or Mm -hmm. challenging for Liverpool so I think that that says everything really
0: yeah I think me myself but everyone is just underestimating this season like we're just we as well. We do as if it is business as usual, but it has been a drastically different season. The same amount of games, 38 Premier League games plus European, has been pushed into a window that's six weeks shorter. And I don't even talk about the preseason, which has been so different as well. So I think maybe we, at Between the posts, but everybody is just as if this is a normal season, but it's not. So maybe that's also an explanation. I don't know. And to think
1: we've got a European Championship after this, and then we've got another Premier League season, and then we've got a World Cup. Yeah. And kinda, it's kind it's of a, it's a hell of a lot of football, but whether the quality of football remains at the, the same level, it's going to be difficult, to, difficult yeah. to see with the heavy rotation of games that we've got.
0: Yeah, well, we keep an eye on that. Thank you for now. I'll be back with uh, Jose at the weekend. But Joel, you are set to make uh, more appearances, I think. How did did you like it? Loved it.
1: Absolutely loved it. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me on.
0: Yeah, of course, man. And Of course, we should ask the listeners as well. How did you think Joel did? No joke, of course you did. (laughs) Um, If you are a listener and you're still with us at this minute, you're probably a true fan. So if you are a true fan, please leave a review in iTunes. That really helps us. And if you do that and you leave in your comments one match, we will review that match. So that's a very good incentive to uh, leave a review. I'll just leave it to that. I'll be back with Jose over the weekend. And Joel, thank you very much. Thank
1: you very much. Cheers. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks for listening, guys. Bye-bye.